Hey guys, welcome to the Columbia View Church podcast. We're excited to share God's word with you. If you'd like to get more connected here at Columbia View Church, please visit our website at www.columbiaview.org. Our Sunday morning worship time is 10 a.m. We are meeting on site now and following the social distancing guidelines put forth by our state. And we love the opportunity to, to meet you in person and we hope that you are blessed by this word today. Don't, don't be messing with us. Um, want to say hi to everybody on Facebook. Um, I know my wife is sick, or like the kids are sick today, so my, my wife is home with them. So hi, Leighton. Hi, McKenna. If, you can, uh, if it's working, I hope you can uh, see me. I love you. Um, you know, ministry. David and I were talking, and we were like, uh, he asked me to kind of do a, he's finishing one series, getting ready to start the next one, so he was like, can you, uh, you know, preach this week and kind of give me a chance to kind of liven up for the next series. Um, got my little timer here so that I don't uh, take too long. Oh, no, you never say that to a, uh, to somebody that's getting ready to, to preach, that doesn't get preached very often. All right, so let's get this thing switched over. You know, when, you, when you're getting ready to, to preach, and you don't do it very often, it seems like uh, everything likes to go wrong, <laughs> right? So this week, my employee gave me his two weeks notice, so that's a great way to start the week, right? Didn't see that one coming. We have a, I've got a couple of different businesses that we run. One, I do clean exhaust hoods in the middle of the night, and then the other one, we do some real estate stuff, and we're renovating homes. And so we got a new piece of property that the guys were working on this week, and it was, that was crazy. And, and um, so sometimes Tom helps me on Friday nights. He and I will do a, a job for my R&K maintenance business in the middle of the night. And this week I wasn't planning on, on doing that because we had just a bunch of stuff going on, and Tom was over working, and he was working this week. They were like cutting down trees and stuff on this property. So he and Jose were working hard. And then we were, I had, I was gonna be preaching on Sunday and then I had my birthday yesterday and just had a lot of stuff coming through. So I was like, well, this Friday we won't work. And I just didn't even wanna ask Tom because I knew he'd be tired. So, but this is how God works, right? So partway through the week, one of the jobs cancels out for no fault of ours, they just, they, they didn't schedule right. So now I'm, I'm short a job. But I still think I'm not gonna do it because I don't wanna ask Tom to work after he's been working so hard. And then uh, I get to Friday and I drop by one of my, my renter, their heater system's not working right and they share a house with, with Tom lives. And so I, I go to solve that problem, he's outside, so I talk to him and, he's, and he says, um, are we gonna work tonight? And I was like, uh, I wasn't planning on it, you know, I figured you'd be pretty tired. And he's like, well, you know, I, I kind of came home this afternoon thinking that we might be working tonight. And I was like, well, you know, I did miss a job. Oh, you know, but I got all this prep to do and I've got birthday stuff tomorrow. Yeah, let's go ahead and do it. So I get a job scheduled and we, we do the job. It's all great. And I come home and I back the truck in and... I look out my window and there's my daughter 
standing. So now this is 2 o'clock in the morning. So I've got a 27-year-old, whatever she is, and she's standing out there, and I'm like, oh, hey, Kelsey. You know, and so she, uh, she says, um, Gabby's here. And a friend of hers, a kid that we worked with in youth group a long time ago. She was just was one of my daughter's friends, and we'd invested in her. And she's had a journey, and she's had some dark stuff, and she'd share that with you, that just some really deep drug stuff. And in the last few years, and she's been sober out of that for about five months now, which was super exciting. And so I get on the car, and I'm like, oh, great, you know? All I want to do is go in and sleep, because I got stuff to get ready tomorrow, but I need to really go down and say hi to her. And so I go down, and I'm talking with her for two hours. And it's 4.20, and, you know, then I get a chance to to share a few things with the Lord and I get to pray with her. Um, and it was a God moment. Right? It was a God moment. But God had been lining up all these things to get me to pull up at 2 o'clock in the morning. So I was there when she was there. Okay? Okay. So, so this is ministry, preaching today, right? And that's a good thing. Um, but like David's saying, this, this ministry is all about people. You know, God didn't come for buildings, though we need them. And man, I thank everybody that works on all this stuff and, and all of that, because um, it's all part of the team, right? But, but the only thing that's eternal is people, okay? And so God orchestrated all of that so that I had like these few minutes of sharing him with this person at this time. And, and you know, there wasn't some giant moment where something big happened, but I, I know that God touched her there, right? All right, so, so David and I were talking, it's like, um, it's like, can the people in our church, I think, are, are stepping into leadership, into ministry, they're wanting to, to be more involved in what God's doing, um, so, you know, preach something about that. How can we help that, right? So, what, when, when Jesus started his ministry, what was the first thing that he did that kicked off his ministry? Besides the feeding, or the water with the wine, well, or turning water into wine, what's the, what's the beginning thing that really kicks off Jesus' ministry? What? Yes, his baptism, right? So, so Jeremy nailed that. Jesus, you know, God, for whatever reason, he sent John the Baptist. Supernaturally, because we know the story of John the Baptist, who was Jesus' cousin. And John didn't, he knew that he was coming to prepare the way, but he didn't know who he was preparing the way for. Um, he was surprised that it was Jesus. And so God's preparing all this. He's out there baptizing in the wilderness, and he's telling people, you know, I'm baptizing for the repentance of sin with water, but there's one who's coming who's going to baptize you with fire and the Spirit. And when Jesus comes out there, John recognizes him by the fact that the Holy Spirit comes down on Jesus and stays on him. He rests on him. And John was told, he goes, the, the, you know, the, the angel or the Spirit or whoever told John to go out and do this told me that the one that I see the Spirit of God descending on and staying, he's the one. And so Jesus, um, he comes, he gets 
ministered to, filled with the Spirit in a, in a new way? Because Jesus, remember, he set aside his attributes of godliness, or godness, his deity, to take on the form of a person so he could live like we live, so he could be the sacrifice. So he was dependent upon the Spirit of God for being led in his ministry and being led to the, by the Father. So he goes out and, and he starts his ministry. When Jesus is ending his time here on earth, so he goes to the cross. Well, before he goes to the cross, he prays for um, his disciples and he says, um, he, he prays about the counselor that will come, the comforter. And then he goes to the cross, he resurrects, he meets with his disciples again, and he tells them, don't leave this town, hang out here until the Spirit comes. And then 50 days later, they're meeting, and Pentecost um, starts, right? And, and that's when the Holy Spirit falls on the, on the people, right? So I guess my, my, my thinking is, if Jesus, to really do his ministry, needed the Spirit, and if the church couldn't be released to start its ministry without the Holy Spirit, then if we as a church are trying to grow to be more ministers of Jesus Christ, then what maybe do we need? Holy Spirit, right? Okay, so, so that's kind of what brought me to where we are today. Um, and let's, uh, let's go here. All right, so Jesus... This is uh, in John 7. It says, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So this is during Jesus' ministry here on earth, what does he say? He says, as the scripture said, for whoever believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Um, there's, another says it will flow from their belly. That's, the, that's like the, the real interpretation, if you just like to literally word for word, that the, the river of life will flow from their belly. And so... You know how a spring works, how a natural spring works? Okay? So, like, if you ever, you ever go, like, like, on the way to the coast, you go along the side of the road, there's a, a rest area, you can stop, and there's a natural spring there, and they've turned it into, like, a little fountain kind of thing. But there's natural springs everywhere. And, you know, what happens with a natural spring is the rain comes down, it goes onto the, 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 the mountain or whatever, and it, the, the water penetrates the earth. The earth filters the water. And then it basically, it, it just keeps going down until it hits a, a layer of, of rock that it's not permeable anymore. And then it starts going sideways. And then at some point, it pops out of the ground. And that's a spring. It's, you know, a natural spring. And that water is just like, you know, really, really good because it's clean, fresh water. And that's some of the best drinking water. It hasn't been like in a river where, you know, there's been contaminants or anything. Um, good spring water is you know, is like that. And he says, Jesus says that this water, this water of life will come out of us like a spring. Now, when, when water, when water comes out of a spring, so it starts flowing out, is it going to, 
increase or is it going to disappear? Well, because it's going to flow out on the ground and then it's going to eventually repenetrate back into the ground again, right? Like that's how that works. Okay. This, this, this river of life we're talking about is a little bit different. I want to take you to Ezekiel chapter 47. So in Ezekiel 47, I mean, uh, the, the people of Israel are off the land. They, God told them if they didn't follow his ways, if they sought after other gods, that eventually he would take them off the land. And this is the time period when they're off the land. Um, things aren't going really well. And Ezekiel, um, God meets with him and he gives him the future of Israel. And he talks about the land and he gives them the new borders of the land and all this stuff. But he talks about um, the temple. And so, you know, the temple was a building that had the Holy of Holies which was an area that only like the high priest could go into. Then it had an area that just the priest could go to. Then it had a, an open area that the people of God could, be, could go into. And in this, in this vision, he sh- it shows God going into the temple, into the Holy of Holies. And then that's going to take us to where we are right now, okay? So the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out through the north gate and led me around to the outside of the outer gate facing east. All right, that was a lot of detail, right? Uh, But here's the part that we're getting to. The, The water was trickling from the south side. So the water's trickling. What what does that say to you? A trickle. A little bit or a lot? A little bit, right? Um, even with your hose, if you have your hose turned on full, you don't think of that as water trickling out, right? But when McKenna is playing with the hose, I turn the water down to a trickle so that she's not blasting her sister, right? <laughs> so you have a little bit of control. It's not a lot of water when it's a trickle, all right? So then we keep going on. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits, about, three, uh, about a third of a mile. He led me through the water that was ankle deep. That's not a trickle, right? Okay. He measured off another third of a mile and led me through the water that was waist deep. He measured off another thousand, but now was a river that I couldn't cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. So, so we start off here, it's coming out of the temple, and it's a trickle. And it's coming from the throne room. It's coming from the sanctuary, okay? Sanctuary being the place where God resides, okay? So it's a trickle. Then it goes a third of a mile, and the water is now ankle deep. A third of a mile, and the water is waist deep. A third of a mile, it's the Columbia River. So that's a special kind of spring, right? Where, where it's just a trickle, and yet then it, it fills the valley. So then this is what he says about this water, okay? He said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into 
Araba, the Jordan Valley, where it enters the Dead Sea. Um, well, let me finish reading this, and we'll go look at that. Uh, where it empties into the Dead Sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. All right, so if we were looking, this is a, a map of, of Israel, okay? Um, so we have Jerusalem. Can you see that in the yellow there? Uh, Jerusalem would be where the temple was at. The water is flowing sideways to the Jordan Valley. So, so the valley, so the, if you see the Sea of Galilee or Tiberias up on the very top, then the Jordan River runs all the way down to the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is um, the lowest place on earth, and it is below sea level. And so it has no exits. It can't, water can't run away from it like a normal lake. And so the water runs there and it just sits there and then it dries, you know, it evaporates off. And so it's called a salt sea. It is um, almost 10 times more salty than the ocean. Okay, so it's like 33% salt. And nothing lives in it. You know, no fish, no anything, right? Because it's just a lot of dead water, okay? Um, you know, people love to go swim in it because you can, you can actually float on it. The water's so thick that you can, like, sit on your back and read, like, a magazine, right? It's, it's, they say it's pretty nasty. You have to wash off after you get out, out of it because it's so salty. Um, but that is, like, that's dead, okay? So let's go back and look at that um, passage again where it says that the water is going to flow across into the Jordan Valley, into the, the Dead Sea, and there the water will become fresh, right? You can drink it. The creatures, swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows and there and makes the salt water fresh. So, so wherever the river flows, everything will live. So... So we have this image. I mean, this is like life type of image. If you go to um, Revelation, and we're not going to look there today just for time, but if you go to Revelation 22, it talks about the new heaven and the new earth and the, the, has come down. And the city, the new city of Jerusalem is like 2,000 miles square. Okay, it's big. And there's the streets of gold and all that kind of stuff. And, but what I always remember out of that is, is out of the throne comes a river of waters of life. And it flows down through the street and it goes out of the city. And, oh, you know, I think I, I, think I missed another, I think I may have another slide here. Yeah. Let me, let's, go, let's go back, I'm sorry. So the fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea, but the swamps and the marshes will be left not to become fresh because they'll be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will the fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve as food and their leaves for healing. When we look in Revelations and it talks about it, it says um, the river will run out 
and the, there'll be the trees of life will be along the side, and it will bear 12 types of fruit, I think it is. There's, it's going it's to be buried every month, there's going to be fruit. And that the, the leaves will be for the healing of the nations. So this very special, precious water, this is the Spirit of God, and it brings life, right? It brings life, and in that, Jesus said that we get to have that coming out of us. So let me get caught up in my notes here. Because here's the thing, in this illustration, you have the, the temple, the sanctuary, the sanctuary being God, where God's presence resides. Out of where God's presence resides comes a special water that it starts small, but it reaches out. Okay. So where is, so when Jesus died on the cross, remember when he cried out, it is finished. Remember that? And he died. One of the things that happened was the temple veil was torn in two. So the, the place that blocked the, there was where the priest could be to where only God could be and one priest once a year would go back and minister in the Holy of Holies. There's this, there was a curtain and in, in, in Leviticus it talks about it and it's, it's like about this thick and it's all these different layers of materials that had the angels woven into them and all this different stuff. It was all symbolic of the temple that's in heaven. And, and it says that when Jesus said it is finished, the temple veil was ripped and torn in two. Because we are no longer separated from being able to be in God's presence. And the Bible says, where is God's temple now? Lyle, where's God's temple now? You know, I know you know. Where? In us. Right? So, so this, this sanctuary of God's presence is because it's God's presence. That's where the life flows from. When we come to Christ, we are the temple, and the life now flows from us. And he said, whoever believes in me, the river of the water of life will flow from their innermost being. And when it flows out, what's it going to do? It's going to bring life, right, to all those different people. And it's not just this little thing. It has the capacity to grow exponentially. And we're the carriers of that, right? I mean, that's just crazy awesome. Okay, so, so man, let's keep moving because my time keeps ticking. All right, so... Um, no, right over here. All right. In, am I missing the passage? No, no, this is it. So, so um, another passage, this is out of Jeremiah. Also during this time when the people are off the land and things, bad things have happened and, and God speaks to him and says, my people committed two sins. These are the two sins. They have forsaken me, the springs of living water, and they have dug their own cisterns, their own wells, their own storage tanks, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. 
Huh. So this is, this is not, um, this verse isn't directly speaking to this application that I'm going to make here, but I think it's legitimate, okay? Because um, this is a very specific to a time period that was happening in the nation of Israel 4,000 years ago. But I think, it, you'll, I think you can make this jump with me. As we, as people who want to minister, as we want to serve God and we want to work with people, this can happen to us. We can, it's so easy, slide from God doing ministry through us to doing ministry in our flesh. And it's really subtle. So, so like for me, when I was in my mid, my, or 30, I was like just about 30, um, there were was, there was some issues in my life that I'd struggled with since the, I was, the time I was a kid. And um, I was at a pastor's prayer summit. I went through something called Steps to Freedom. And God delivered me in a miraculous, instantaneous way. And so if you've ever seen that, uh, the commercial for Tarnex, you remember that? Where you have the, the silver spoon, it's all tarnished. And they have this liquid, it's called Tarnex. And if you dip the spoon in it, and they would dip half the spoon and they pull it out. And the bottom half of the spoon that went into the liquid is like perfectly silver. The tarnish is gone. And it was like somebody grabbed me and dipped me in Tarnex and pulled me out. And I was clean. And my life was changed. And so I shared that. I started sharing that all the time. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, the things that I struggled with were not socially acceptable kind of things. My, my pastor would always say, Ken, why didn't you, why couldn't you have been a drug addict or something, you know? But as I would share my story, men and women struggle with the same thing and they would come to me and I would help them get set free just like I'd been set free. I'd walk them through like the steps to freedom and introduce them to the spirit in that way and, and people would say, well, you know, I struggle with lying or I struggle with whatever. You think God could help me the same way he helped you? I'm like, yeah, you know, and, and so that was a God thing, right? Because the, the Bible says they overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and because they weren't, willing to, they weren't afraid to give up their lives. Our testimonies are powerful, right? So that, God used that in a supernatural way. So now here's how it slips so subtly and moves from they've forsaken the living water to digging their own cistern. Eventually, I became dependent. The only way that I thought God would work was with me sharing that story. I became, uh, you know, it's like I'm working for Jose, and we're doing roofing, and I'm good with the hammer. And then we're doing framing, and I'm good with the hammer. And then he says, hey, Ken, can you go, I'm trying to get this, uh, this plumbing out of underneath this sink. Could you go, you know, take care of that for me? And he comes in, and I'm in there, and I'm bashing it with a hammer. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, you told me to take that out. Uh, he said, yeah, but you just unscrew it right? But I, but I had gotten accustomed to depending on the story instead of depending on the spirit, right? See how subtle that is? How quick we can become dependent on our own thing? You know, and so eventually, you know, I had to learn to become a multi-tooled person. And I had other stories that God, you know, had done in my life, right? And other ways, you know, God uses me in the area of prayer. When I, I'm most likely to see the Spirit working through me when I pray for people, okay? 
I put my hand on them, and I pray, and, and then sometimes God moves in people, right? The thing is, they, they, people tend to think, oh, you know, thank you, Ken, right? And, that, and that's very natural. That's really normal. There's nothing, nothing wrong with that. But, but we can't receive that that way because it's the Spirit. But in the same way, see, I can, I can become dependent on here, let me pray for you when maybe it's not the right moment. Right? So, so even praying for somebody can be the wrong thing if that's not what the Spirit's doing. So this is, this is kind of some things I've, I've discovered. Um, if my people ditch their true source of life and they try to do it on their own, that was kind of the summary of those two fails, right? What might that look like in ministry? Um, when God's children have, have tried to help others, but have tried to do it out of their own power, it's flesh empowered. I'm trying so hard to help other people and try and fix their problems. Man, it is so easy for us. We, you know, man, it even worse as a pastor. You know, people come to you and you're, you're working with people and we're trying to solve their problems. But here's the thing. When we look at somebody, it's, it's easy for us to pick what we think is people's problems, right? For one, sometimes that's what they share with us because, you know, sometimes they share one thing but it's, it's not the main thing. Or they share things, and it, they might not even know what the main thing is. I mean, someone's got a, a wound on their forehead, and I think, well, I need to help that. But they've got a gunshot wound to their heart. That's the one that really has to be fixed. Or they may have experienced abuse. They may have had all kinds of different things that have happened in their life. And so they have a wound here, a wound here, a wound here, a wound here. And I think I know, you know, and maybe it's because it's what puts me off about them the most that I want to fix or whatever. You know, I'm sure God wants to help them with this or that or, you know, whatever. And, but that's not the one that God's working on. And we don't know which one's God's working on. We, we really don't know, right? I don't know what God's doing, you know, in Ricky's life, right? He, we talk. He tells me some things, right? But I don't know. He may not know. And so, but what happens is we start discipling people, and then we get frustrated when they don't grow, right? It can be really discouraging. You invest heavily in somebody's life, and then they go off a deep end someplace, and then we feel like, was that a waste? Did, did, you know, was, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I didn't do it right. Or we get frustrated with them, right? Because we're, we're meeting with them, and, and they're starting to grow, and we're, you know, they're doing their quiet time, and, and we're, you know, our goal is five quiet times this week, and, and then they come back, and I only did two, and then it's like, well, man, you're not growing because you're not doing your quiet time, and and it can get really burdensome, right? And so there's, there's things that are hard on them and things that become hard on us. Let's, um, let's look at this passage real quick here. This is what Jesus said. Who said this? This is what Jesus said, okay? Ken didn't make this up because it's really too good to be true, okay? Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Man, sometimes we, in the name of trying to help people grow, we sometimes, you know, is it good to memorize scripture? You bet. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Um, is it good to be reading the Bible? Sure is, right? But can we, can, we, can we turn reading the Bible into an idol? Doesn't that seem weird? We can become, there's a word for it, biblical deist, where we worship the word of God instead of worshiping God. Instead of learning about God to worship God, we can worship the word. I mean, we can get, there's so many good ways to get twisted. I mean, and we're so good at it. So thus, it brings us to, well, how do I, how do, I do this? Because it is no fun when we feel guilty and the people we're working with can't measure up. That's not a fun way to live. It's no fun when the leader is exhausted from trying so hard to help people. You hear pastors burning out? Hello, David's young. It's a hard game, right? And if you try to do it yourself, David, that is what is in store for you, okay? Because it doesn't matter how much stuff that we can balance, how skilled we are, you know, how administrative gifted we are, blah, 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 blah. In the end, ministry requires supernatural power because we can't change people's lives. We can't. And trust me, I've done all these things. I've tried all these things. When disciples, when our disciples don't measure up, we end up feeling like a failure. That's a sign that we're drinking out of our own cistern. And then at times, then I still fail, right? I only got my two quiet times in this week. Or I gave in to an old struggle to sin. What's wrong with me? How can God use this worthless piece of trash? Anybody else ever felt like that before besides me? Okay? All right? I want to tell you something that God gave me this morning while we were praying. You're out in the desert. You are thirsty. You're out of water. And if you want to make a biblical truth, you can go, okay, when they were wandering in the desert 40 years, this actually happened to them, or actually when they were on their way um, out of Egypt. Looking for water, the people were moaning and complaining to Moses. They find a spring. You start drinking from that spring. The water's good. It feels like it's bringing you life. You're like the happiest person ever. Because you thought you were going to die. What color was the rock that the water came out of? Was it broken? Was it a broken piece of rock? Was it orange? Was it red? How about the people of Israel? When, when Moses came, remember, he struck the rock? You know, he struck the rock. He was supposed to talk to the rock, but he didn't. He struck the rock, and the water poured out of the rock. Dear Pastor David, you've been to some Bible school. 
what was what that rock look like? Because no one cares. No one cares what the rock looks like that the water comes out of. Because no one drinks the rock, right? No one drinks the rock. No one cares. If you were using meth and you were shooting it up and you're prostituting yourself and you feel like you were a complete piece of trash and you get out of that and then you, you share with somebody the good news of Jesus and their life changes. Do you think that they cared that you used to be a drug addict? Okay. If you are in a crack house and you just shot up, or, I don't know, crack house, maybe you smoke it. Not good on my drugs. Right, And you're sitting there, and when you were a kid, you were in church, and you know God, you're in a bad spot, you're a place you shouldn't be, but you tell the person next to you about Jesus, and he, and he touches their life, do you think that they cared that you were just smoking crack? Can God use somebody that is really in a nasty situation to share his good news with somebody else? Now, I'm not saying that we should strive to be <laughs> staying in a flop house, right? But I know Tom used to share when he was doing stuff he wasn't supposed to. We're broken people. God came to save broken people. He came to save sinners, right? And the truth is, there's nobody on this earth, no matter how beautiful they are, no matter how talented their ministry is, they're still sinners, and we're still just rocks. Okay, all right. So if I ever get to preach again, David, if the time is right, there's, there's something I'd like to, we don't have time to talk about it today, but when the ministry starts going good, that's another place where things can fail. And so someday we'll get a chance to talk about that. Okay, so I want you to open up your little sheets. This is your chance. I know you were so curious. Did anybody open it beforehand? <laughs> oh, did you, Tom? Okay. <laughs> he told me somebody would. All right. So, so how, do we, how, do we, how do we implement this? Because we can't just, you know, it can't become another thing that we do. That's the problem, right? We can't have three good steps to being filled with the Holy Spirit, though it would be nice if we could. Um, but here's some jumping off places. Let's, let's, first, let's reaffirm something that David said in, this morning. The Bible says, Jesus says, if you as a father, as an evil earthly father, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Okay? 
almost a direct quote. It's pretty close. Really, really close. You, as, a, as an earthly evil father, know how to give good gifts to your kids. How much more will your heavenly father, okay, listen, please, listen, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him, right? Okay, so let's, let's do that. So I made these so you could take it home because it just gives you some ideas, all right? So you can pray at the beginning of the day. Oh, Holy Spirit, I know you are the source of life. You're the head spring from where the water that pours it out of my inner mean originates. Lord, I desperately want your water to be pouring out of me and flowing and turning into a river where people and even nations are healed. Wow, that's a lot to ask for. Please flow out of me today. Allow me to touch the people of your heart. Help me to love people like you love them because the truth is I cannot. And in my flesh, the truth is I don't even really want to love the people. I mean, guys, man, there are times when I, I, I meet somebody, they walk up to me at a job site or just whatever, and I have zero interest in talking to them. But I do the right thing. And as I'm talking with them, when I was, when I was in my, I was David's age. How old are you? Okay, I was younger than David. I was in my 20s, somewhere in there. And I remember being on my knees in a guy's house that everybody else looked down on. He had drug issues, and I tell you stories about him. But we were praying, and I, I just, I just, I remember saying, God, please help me to love people like you love people. And if you have ever felt love from me, that's where it all came from. Because I'm a selfish guy. I'm busy. I have my own stuff. And I'll be talking to some guy, and then it's like my heart is like attached and cares for him. And then maybe I give him five bucks or get him a hamburger or, you know, and I put my arm, I say, can I pray for you? And I pray for him and my spirit is connected with the Holy Spirit. And it's like this guy's my long lost cousin that I'm praying for that I love so much. And, and I walk away and he walks away and he's experienced God and I just... And I've experienced God because when God's experience, you're, when, when God's touching somebody else through you, the Spirit of God's pouring out through you, and that's, that's pretty tremendous. But it's not because I just, in my good nature, love people so much. But I walk away and I just go, man, that was just amazing. Thank you, God. Right? All right, so... Um, that's one thing, one prayer. You can pray, I've got a meeting or event that you're gonna be going to. Maybe it's a dentist appointment. Um, you're gonna meet a new contractor. You've got a caregiver that's coming to your, your house or a cleaner that's coming to your apartment. And you say, God, let me love these people today. Would you, by your spirit, you know? And, and some days it's just it's like nothing, you know? But other days, there's those times where you make connections. You know, Ricky's going to work. Sometimes he's a manager. Sometimes he's just a co-worker. It's like, God, you know, I'm going to work today. Pour out your blessings through me. You know, and it's not always sharing the gospel. Sometimes it's just caring for somebody. Right? Um, you got, uh, you're going to go shopping. 
You may not get to bless someone every time you go to the store, but if you are open and you're watching God for leads, then you'd be surprised. Sometimes you'd be, you know, somebody in line at, at Home Depot or the grocery store or whatever needs some care. And maybe it's, you know, giving them a little bit of money to help or just talking to somebody. I mean, you just never know what it's going to look like. Maybe it's, it's Bible study. So, you know, you, before you, you know, Jose, I think, leads a Bible study. Before he's leading his Bible study, Lord, you know that we're going to be covering Matthew 13 tonight. But God, I don't know where the guys are that, and where they're coming in tonight. I don't know where they're at. Please give me the sensitivity to allow changes to my plan if needed. Please give me your love for these men let your water of life splash all over us tonight, right? I mean, so, I mean, you get the idea of what these prayers can be? They're really simple. They're really simple. Ask the Father to give his heart and his love for people, to love them the way he loves them. It'll change everything, and it'll totally surprise you. And it might be for your kids. You know, Vanessa's home with the kids all day, and it's, you know, th- three kids all day. Man. But it's like, Holy Spirit, would you give me what I need today for these kids? Because sometimes, sometimes kids need a swat, and sometimes they need a hug, and sometimes it, it's different from what it looks like. All right, so I think that is it. Anything else you can read? Um, I'm going to pray real quick as the worship team comes up. And if, you, if, if, if you're like, man, that's, that really resonates with me, I really like that, then right now, Pray this with me. Receive this with me. Dear Jesus, we come before you, and um, Lord, this is simple. We are asking for more of your Holy Spirit so we can better love the people that are on your heart. And there are people here that want that, Lord, and so I ask that you would grant that and you would give them more of your Spirit. Hey, thanks for joining us. Our passion is to know and share God's heart, and we're so glad that we're able to do that with you today. If you'd like to visit us in person, please visit our website at www.columbiaview.org for directions. We'll see you next week.